0: Previously on Alibi. And he's saying he just didn't commit this murder, but he was convicted for this murder.
1: It was armed robbery. Where in the armed robbery there was two two murders. It's like I just want to go on and live my life and put all this this chapter. It's a part of my life that I just want to put behind. I will send the things either with my father or so that you can arrange with him to get everything.
0: Just as a warning, there are some graphic, violent descriptions in this episode and we advise if you have children or sensitive listeners to be aware of such material. I'm Freddie Mabitsella and welcome to Alibi. This is episode two. Last week, we met Anthony DeVries for the first time. The crime that Anthony was convicted for was in 1994, close to South Africa's first democratic election. It involves the murder of two security guards outside a Czechos supermarket in Fereniching, south of Johannesburg. Thousands of Rands were stolen and never recovered. The police arrested three guys and only Anthony was convicted. And still today, he says he is innocent after being in jail for 17 years. Really, during this story, we want to find out if this man, Anthony, is guilty or has really spent half his life in jail for nothing. And the guy investigating Anthony's case is journalist Paul McNally. You think this guy is innocent? Well, not exactly.
2: I just don't think we should assume he's guilty just because he's been convicted.
0: Anthony has this alibi, right? Which is quite hard to prove because in his story, he was hitchhiking to a job interview, got mugged, and lands not so far from where the crime scene had just taken place.
2: Yeah, basically he runs up to the police in this way and he gets rounded up as a suspect for these murders.
0: And I believe his older brother could also give us all the paperwork to Anthony's case.
2: Right, well, you'll remember from last week that Anthony was tortured brutally by the police when he was in high school. The ordeal lasted three weeks. They just drove him around in the back of their van, torturing him. And the man they were looking for when they tortured Antony was actually his older brother, Selwyn. That's why I'm gonna go visit Selwyn to retrieve Antony's paperwork, his court records, his statements, photographs of the crime scene. This is so we can get a better sense of the case that was made towards Antony in court. <coughs> I am back in Ennerdale, a Facebook suburb with the odd kid on a bicycle. The squeaking you can hear on Mike, that's his wheelchair. Selwyn is a muscular man, he's ex-army. He pulls the black metal gate close to me and spins his chair round to point back towards the house. Selwyn has been paralysed and in a wheelchair for years. As we move back towards the house, Selwyn immediately starts talking about Jacques Moraire. This is the police officer who Anthony prosecuted and won a case against in the 80s for torturing him. And we were told last week that this was the same cop who was the investigating officer for the case of the security guard murders at the checkers. It was the same guy, just years later. And in Anthony and Selwyn's minds, this gave the cop a clear motive to tamper with the case and put Anthony in jail. Because they knew the
1: guys. Because the guys they tortured him. So he mentioned the names and they made uh, specific cases against the certain cops. Okay. So Marais was one of the cops that tortured him. And Marais is the same cop that uh, the, the, the case that he was sentenced for the life sentence was the investigating officer.
2: Anthony has claimed that warrant officer Jacques Marais had a grudge against him. He said that evidence was scrambled, police lied, dockets were lost on purpose, and Marais, as a kind of revenge, has made sure Antony stayed in jail forever.
0: Is there any evidence that actually shows and pinpoints Jacques Marais' motives?
2: Well, no, not yet. We have proof of the torture that Antony went through, that's for sure. Okay, Selwyn shows me a statement of the case Anthony brought against the police for his torture while in high school. The statement mentions five police officers, and Morare is definitely one of them. It was opened at Brixton murder and robbery and dated the 15th of July,
0: 1991. Anthony won the case, right? And he had some sort of compensation for it, too.
2: Yeah, Anthony won the case against the police, and he received 35,000 Rand. Selwyn also shows me a letter dated the 24th of September, 1992, from the state attorney. There's also an agreement from Anthony's lawyer. Here's Selwyn.
1: In other words, when they pay you out, they say these guys were guilty. They are guilty of torturing In other words, this must go on his record or something. So that's why I say, uh, isn't that enough reason for somebody to, if he gets you somewhere, to say, you
2: now have got you? Now I'm, to, now I'm going to show you what I can do. Until we know the extent or reach of Mireya's influence on this case, we have to keep digging. Well,
1: I was the one they were after. The He was still young, he was in school. And I wasn't there. No, I was, I was on the ramp.
2: I tell Selwyn that Anthony has told me that the police were after him because he was political, because he was fighting against apartheid. And I said that Anthony spoke very highly of his older brother's political actions. At the thought of being called political, Selwyn laughs. He laughs in my face.
1: (laughs) I wasn't so political. I was a bank robber.
2: Selwyn says he bought and sold a few guns for the PAC, which was a liberation movement during apartheid. But he admits it is a stretch to call him political. In his own words, he robbed banks for a living (laughs) and this means that Anthony has lied to us they were looking for me as if I was
1: criminal number one they were were hunting for me
2: and my family like protected me I realized when the cops came looking for Selwyn in the late 80s and ended up torturing Anthony they weren't looking for Selwyn because he was political The police were after a murderer, and that's Selwyn. And Anthony was a murderer's brother. (laughs) I am gutted and kind of embarrassed and just can't help thinking that this whole family is just full of criminals. Selwyn starts to tell me why he went on the run from the police. It wasn't because he was political. It wasn't because he was fighting apartheid. To illustrate his story... For some reason, he points to a slice mark on the left hemisphere of his head.
1: This guy he chopped me with uh, a, called it a panga. He chopped me and stabbed me in the neck and I asked him to back up because I had a 38. Told him to back up, please go, stop this, stop this. And he still came forward and I shot him. Okay. And what happened, he passed away.
2: Selwyn must see that I'm confused, disappointed, and I think he can sense that I expected him to be something else. A man died, but not during a robbery. It was actually here in Ennerdale. and worse, it was during a high school function. When you say school function like a high school high school function
1: i wasn 't in school, but I just went to the function because the main thing it was like a, to just to support him right because they were uh, having his function to raise funds. and
2: That's what he said, to raise funds, like a school cake
1: sale. And one of these guys, you see those long rainbow knives? He was doing this with a rainbow knife, and I went and I took it from him, and I gave it into the door. He came with a panga, the guy that I took the knife from and he hit me up, And him and his brothers came now to attack me. And so I they hit you him.
2: with the panga because you
1: took his panga away? Yeah. I took it, I took one away and they had another one. Okay. So he chopped me and I shot him and the guy passed away and the cops were after me for death and for the bank
2: robber. This is why Selwyn wasn't around. This is why they took Antony instead. Selwyn left this man dead at a high school function and went on the run. It was during this period that Antony was tortured. Did you ever talk to him about... Did he ever talk about what happened with the police in those three weeks?
1: You see, see, the main thing is, come to think of, we never never talked about it. The only thing that he told me about it, he was locked up and he was tortured. And we never went deep
2: into what happened in it. The police finally caught up with Selwyn on August the 21st, 1990, and their meeting erupted into an incredible shootout.
1: Because I was shot in 90, 1990, I was shot by the cops, and I landed in a wheelchair.
2: I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay. The shootout left Selwyn paralyzed from the waist down, and his injuries were too severe for him to go to jail, so he went under police guard to hospital. Meanwhile, Anthony was out of school, still traumatized from his torture. And yet, he was really trying to help his brother. He would visit Selwyn in hospital and just try to keep him company. He
1: was trying to help me with my situation. And, yeah. and I asked him to bring me a gun. And he said, no, he won't do it. Because I wanted to combat suicide. Wow. So... You don't have legs because losing your legs, I think that is the most important thing in a man's life.
2: So there was a point when Anthony was coming to hospital to visit Selwyn when Selwyn asked Anthony to bring him a gun so he could die in a vicious shootout with the police. For Selwyn, it was a suicide mission. He wanted out. My
1: idea was there was a cop sitting here and I st- and in my mind I said I'm going to call him. If my brother will bring me the gun, I'm going to shoot him. I'm going to shoot him, take the guns, then I'm going to go outside.
2: This is while you're in hospital.
1: While I was in That's what I thought. Yeah. It's going to be the best suicide. I have a shootout with him and die for once.
2: And despite Selwyn's insistence and anger, Anthony refused his older brother's wishes. He never, when he came and visit me in hospital, uh,
1: the bed is like... This He used to stand there at the end of the bed because he couldn't stand next to me because I would tell him or eat him
2: because I asked him to do something for me and he didn't want to do it. And really, hearing this part of the story softens me towards Anthony. It makes me think that the brothers, Anthony and Selwyn, they care about each other, but they're not the same. And just because Selwyn was a bank robber that does not mean Anthony was a criminal as well. Are you glad that he didn't bring you the gun? I made the most nicest,
1: beautiful woman in my life. Got a son, got a grandchild, accepted the Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ, in my life. Yeah. So
2: even in this wheelchair life is going on. Instead of staging a shootout, the way Selwyn got away from police guard while in hospital was he had a medical emergency. And then they thought I'm going to die. So they released me to my mother because I had a very big uh, peso. So, Selwyn was close to death and his family, they nursed him back to health.
1: I was found guilty of uh, capable homicide and unlicensed firearm and I paid. paid a fine
2: i suddenly feel that someone really wants me to know the extent and the lasting damage that these torturers have done to him physically and emotionally
1: there was one friend of mine he was a cop i can't say he's a friend he's somebody that i know and he used to work at brixton and always when he talk he was he's an indian guy always when he talk and he talked like when you start talking about how they used to shock people then they used to tell him, stop this because it's pain that it starts all over again, it's something that you your mind reflects back to yeah. this guy is bragging about this
2: As Selwyn and I sit across from each other in his lounge he suddenly wants to explain to me where he's coming from he shifts higher in his chair and says years before he was shot he was arrested for you know another bank job but this is when they really had their way with him
1: the main thing why i went so crazy is i was caught for one one bank job and i was tortured very very badly if you torture somebody they take a like it's it's something like a, a condom put it around your penis with the wire. You naked. it. Take a chip, your hands are fastened, this leg is loose, this leg is fastened on the chair. Mm-hmm. Then they pull it and they throw water on Then they shock you. Then they chop you. In other words you can't breathe. So the shock and the breathe. You want air so they shock your penis. They shock you they shock you and they say you must dislike. You must hit like this and say whether you're gonna talk. Yeah. And if you don't talk, they keep on shocking. I passed out like it. I passed out. I wet myself, I <laughs> myself. They did it over and over and over again. And that's why I say if you talk about, if somebody can do that to somebody else, even if you pass out and they go on, what kind of a person is that?
2: Anthony has been understandably reluctant to tell me about what his torture has done to him but hearing his brother's account on what they did to him gives me a pretty good idea and it turns our conversation back to Anthony once we're talking about Anthony Selwyn brings out all the paperwork Is it from, more from 94? it's every uh, everything, you got. everything uh, Everything is there. all is, all. The case is there. there are several large bound dossiers all in plastic shopping bags. This is antony 's case in paper form <laughs> Someone squirms at a picture of one of the dead security guards. Is that one of the guys who was shot was shot I don 't like to look at pictures no. like that now I admit. The picture is gruesome. The god's face is mutilated and blood has dyed his bushy beard red. But I find Solwyn's discomfort quite surprising, considering how he boasted just a few moments ago about his violent past. He was telling me about how he shot a man. Still, his squirming is sincere. Because that's what Antti was a jail for wasn't it, it was cash in transit as well yeah
1: it was a cash in cash transit uh, robbery.
2: I think because of his criminal family there is this urge for people around Anthony to paint him as being so saintly and it comes across as disingenuous it makes it worse is that why they suspected him because you'd had a history of that no that
1: was no 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 you see what I think so yeah. Could be. No. Could be.
2: Because he was never involved in anything like well, Antony was never involved in any any armed robbery. Selwyn keeps digging through the bags of paperwork and flicking to various photos to show me. We rummage through the documents and open up one of the dossiers on a photo of Anthony as a young man, just as he's being arrested. So he is Anthony. Who? Whoa. What is, can you describe that? Is that him?
1: That's Anthony. Yeah.
2: But where? What? Where is? What's all the blood from? So, he. But I mean, so he's he's got his face is covered in blood. Yeah. In the photo, Anthony has black, well kept curls, and is completely covered in blood. It is like he has been painted red. I don't know
1: where there was heat. By the cops. Oh, this is not nice.
2: So they found him, and he, and he had this blood on him. He's either hit by the cops, or he's in a robbery.
1: I'm not sure. That's why I say uh, you have to speak to him because I don't know whether he was hit by the cops, or whether he was was dead due to the the robbery incident. Mm-hmm. So they say. We
2: have to speak to you. According to Anthony, the blood on his face in the photo was his own from being assaulted with a bottle during the mugging and being hit by the police at the scene. Now this makes sense according to his story. Selwyn then passes me a photo of the dark blue BMW 5 Series sedan. The BMW has clearly been in a crash and it is a twist of metal. Someone tells me that Anthony was convicted as the driver of this dark blue BMW. And according to the police, it was involved somehow in this murder and
0: robbery. So the court found that the BMW was involved in the crime and Anthony was driving the car. Exactly.
2: Right. He's the driver of the BMW. That's the state's story. Here's me speaking to Anthony.
0: The BMW
1: that you see there is a car that they They say that the guys were supposed to travel in, guys from from the armed
2: robbery. The crashed BMW, Anthony says he had never seen, up to the point when he was photographed standing right next to it. The statements by the police at trial said that Anthony was spotted driving the BMW. The police said that they tried to pull the BMW over and it sped off crashed into a truck spectacularly, and then the driver fled from the wreckage on foot. There is a photo among the paperwork of the inside of the BMW. The photo is grainy as it was taken on film before digital, and the shot is specifically of the BMW's dashboard. And the dashboard is covered in something that looks like blood. It looks like the driver has bled all over the inside of the car. I flip over from the blood-stained BMW a couple of pages, and I see Anthony, and he is red all over as well. Now, this is not conclusive by any means, but I have to say, I feel like it does not look good, especially with the photos right next to each other. It makes me sick thinking how to tackle each side of this story and sicker looking at all the blood on these photos. I need more info on how the BMW was involved in the crime. And this hopefully will lead to more evidence on Anthony's injuries. As I follow Selwyn out of his house and across his driveway, he explains to me how I should think about making a movie of his life. So how would you open your movie?
1: What's the opening I think scene? <laughs> now I'll go back to my childhood, where I grew up. You see, uh, when we grew up, uh, we didn't grow up with everything in our lives. My father was a very strict guy, he was very strict. I never stole anything until the age of 21. Yeah. The first thing I stole was helping somebody to steal something out of somebody else's yard. I went and helped these guys Steal that thing And that was the first thing I saw In my life And after that oh, Did you get caught for that though? No, I was never caught for it Because I didn't steal it Those guys stole it I yeah. just helped them But the main thing My father brought us up That he always used to tell us If you steal anything I'll burn your hands on the On the On the on a Fire On a, oh. a, 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 the The plate of a stove Yeah I'll burn your hands but don't ever steal something, and that's the way we grew up. We hated people that goes to prison and guys that rape people. We hated people like that. We hated criminals. Yeah. And I became one of the worst. That's why I say
0: it's life.: Now we've learned a couple of things in the past two episodes. One of the things that we've learned is that Selwyn was a bank robber which now taints Antony's reputation.
2: Yeah, it does, if you look at it in that way. But perhaps look at the fact that Antony didn't bring his brother a gun while he was in hospital. Now, surely that makes us realize that we have to be careful when judging people just because of their relatives.
0: But we also have to consider the fact that Anthony lied to us.
2: Yeah, Antony definitely lied to us. And I feel that this fact is going to taint this story Well, until it ends. Antony told us that Selwyn was political, that he worked against apartheid, and that's why the cops were after him. And
0: this wasn't true. It wasn't true at all. What do you think about Antony being the driver of the BMW?
2: Well, okay, it doesn't look as good for Antony as it did at the end of last week's episode. The important thing to remember at this point is nothing conclusive is linking Antony to the BMW. And we still don't know how or to what extent even the BMW was involved with the murder of the security guards.
0: So what can we expect in the next episode of Alibi?
2: I have to visit the murder scene. I have to investigate the checkers where these men died. And also, I need to confront Anthony over why he lied to us. If we don't get that answer, we we can't go anywhere from here.
0: All this is in the next episode of Alibi, so don't miss it. You've been listening to Alibi. This is the show that will investigate a single criminal case over eight weeks. I'm Freddie Mabitela, and Alibi is investigated, produced, and written by Paul McNally. It is brought to you by the Vitz Justice Project, Vitz Radio Academy, and is part of the Citizen Justice Network. Editorial oversight was given by Franz Kruger and Nusheen Afani. Extra scripting and production by Elna Schutz. Mixed by Kutlwano Serrame. Additional editorial help by Gavin Haynes Tom McNally and Kyla Hemanson We are based in Johannesburg, South Africa You can find our podcast on alibi.org.za Or on iTunes Join us next week for episode 3 of Alibi The show that will investigate a single criminal case over 8 weeks Next time on Alibi Paul seeks some advice on Anthony's lie. The people you're dealing with are behind bars, but he has to be very careful of what he tells you and how much he discloses to you and the manner in which he discloses it to you because uh, he's manipulating you in, in, in some way.